nighttime, October. So I'm sure we're in for a lot of scary treats. Are, are yes, we, Adam? We are. Ah, we're uh, doing okay on this end. Yeah, we do have a lot of horror-themed titles, as would be expected. So Horror. Uh, that word, man. Just horror. I just don't like that word. <laughs> I like the genre. The I just don't like yeah. it. It makes you sound like a pirate every time you try to say it. And it's <laughs> like my friend Rick the other day. He used another word that's so awkward. Brewery. <laughs> brewery and horror it's like can we come we up are. with something a little more a little more euphonious something that sounds a little better yeah anyway. exactly too many r's man the tongue just will not do them justice it's not designed for that sort of thing a brewery you? you sound like elmer fudd brewery <laughs> sound like you're drunk yeah. when you say it maybe that's why it's 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 pronounced like the brewery because it automatically yeah. makes you sound drunk. That, that's we crack we crack the code. <laughs> yeah, it's probably intended that way. You're right. Well, we got a uh, we got some pretty good stuff. We got the usual uh, questionable titles, but we've got some pretty solid ones too. So if you want to jump to it, we can. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning. Well, first of all, I'm going to mention one that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, the Shining has been issued in 4K by Wonder Brothers proper uh, for the first time ever with a new transfer. Uh, review. I did not get a review copy of this. Unfortunately, have not gotten a chance to purchase one either. Uh, waiting for the inevitable sale, and I, I will definitely, definitely do that at some point. But the reviews that are coming in is that this is the best that this film has ever looked. It's uh, for this release, the original camera negative was scanned in 4K by Warner Brothers Motion Picture Imaging, and the color grading was done by Janet Wilson with supervision by our old pal Leon Vitale. Based on his notes as to the director's wishes, I think it's worth mentioning here that uh, this was exhibited at, you know, as you and I well know, 1.66 was the aspect ratio when it was shown in Europe originally, but then in the U.S. and the U.K. it was at 1.85, which was Kubrick's intended ratio. It is worth noting that the 4K release has been issued at 1.78, which uh, wow. that's the same same thing that we got in 2007, and this is how Vitaly believes Kubrick would have wanted it. So uh, I wonder what led to that belief. I don't know. I'm curious about that myself. Uh, yeah, because I mean, he clearly, clearly was intended. I mean, his intentions were 1.85 in the U.S. and the U.K. But ever since then, we've been getting 1.78 releases, and I don't. And of course, that shaves a little picture information off the sides. Um, Leon, you know, probably years, years after I years out years after I die. Make sure you crop my movies at one seven eight. Maybe maybe that was the last thing he said to, to Leon. <laughs> dude, who knows? Right. If something were to happen and I died of a heart attack, uh, please make sure that you crop this film at one point seventy eight. Now, uh, yeah, there's no new extras to announce on this uh, this new issue, so. Uh, you know, it's pretty much the same batch of extras, well, but the transfer is definitely fresh, and uh, they say it's an absolute, absolutely a reference-quality presentation for this film with sublime fine detail and wonderfully nuanced texturing image grain. 
is light and pleasing. Contrast is perfect with dark, detailed shadows and bold but not aggressive highlights. So there you go. Oh, my God. Sounds yeah. like they're – sounds almost pornographic the way they're describing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, man, that, that belongs to Pithouse. That belongs in penthouse letters, not uh, not DVD uh, Beaver dot com or something. <laughs> uh, hey, the, um, the really the sound of the picture are the star of the movie. Yeah. So if those are True. if those are pristine, that man the sound mix on the shining. If you're watching it on a good system, oh my god, it's Phenomenal. enveloping. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, and that quote was from Bill Hunt of the Digital Bits. He's a, a friend of the show as well, or a friend of mine online anyway, listens to us and follows us and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, and I would trust his word because he's been doing this a long time, reviewing discs, yeah. and he's usually pretty dependable. So yeah, um, I just wanted to mention for, you know, since that's a that's a title that we have discussed Many, many times, I just thought it was worth mentioning that uh, there, there's been something new done with it. And Good. You started on yeah. a high point. So, <laughs> yeah, it can only go down from here. <laughs> um, well, actually, the next title I, I thought is uh, was worthy of, of mentioning. These are pretty good films, I think. The Adams Family and the Adams and Adams Family Values from 1991 and 1993, respectively. Uh, Paramount has issued them as a double feature. The Adams Family's been available before, but Adams Family Values has never been available on high definition format. And I have to admit, I skipped these films when they originally came out. I did not see them. I just skipped them and just kind of dismissed them and figured that I wouldn't, uh, that it wouldn't be my cup of tea, and moved on. And so all the years passed, and I got this review copy in, and finally caught up with them and. The first one's good, but I would have to say that second one is pretty hysterical. It even bests the really? first one, and uh, yeah, it's really good stuff. And I think the the key to the, the secret to why it's uh, better than the first one, it's written by Paul Rudnick, whereas the first one is written by Caroline Thompson, who did Edward Scissorhands, and uh, Paul Rudnick did the uh, second one, and I think he did In and Out, I believe, mm-hmm. and many other things. Uh, but it's really, really funny and a dark way and uh just just really well done uh and both of them all together uh, taken together this is a recommended package i I think the transfers and the sound is really good uh they've done a good job mastering these things not a lot of extras but um do we get the mc hammer video no, no, it's not here, and it should have been uh i cannot but i find that hard to believe myself yeah, because they do what they want to do and say what they want to say. Adam's family. <laughs> yeah, that was his heyday. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, man, Ralph Julia was such a loss. I see him in movies like, uh, presume, you know, just his presence in Presumed Innocent. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, it's not necessarily a, a grand character, but he just makes it so stable and such a palpable presence he had you know oh yeah yeah it's it's a shame that he passed so early and not even a year after the release of adam's family values he didn't even live a year after that i think it was a couple of months after that he went in for stomach surgery and there was a little mystery as to what was going on there but his sister came out just this year and admitted that he had stomach cancer is what it was and he was having surgery 
for that in uh, January of at first they said it was food poisoning related, but then they she admitted that it was stomach cancer in January of '94, and then he he continued. He made he turned out three more movies after the surgery, and then uh, had to go back in, and there were complications, and he had the stroke, which eventually took him out, unfortunately. But yeah, what a loss! And uh, I think he was 54 or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Man, I would have loved to have seen his Dracula when he did Dracula on the stage. I'm sure that was. Oh amazing. yeah, had to be. Um, had to be. God, he would have been. A, he would have been a great cinematic Dracula. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of presumed innocent, gone too soon. Uh, when I was speaking to Jane Alexander, she said that when Pakula died, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they were prepping a movie together. Uh, that she was going to work with him again after all the president's men, after all those wow. years, and then uh, he just, just taken away so suddenly. Oh yeah, that was a shock. Yeah, I had uh, yeah. Mm. Goodness, and you talk about freak accidents, boy. That that just. Uh, yeah, that was that, <laughs> was that the car. Was that the car in the where he died? The car accident. Yeah, the story I always heard, and I heard this right when it happened, it was just uh, the f- most freakish thing, maybe one of the most freakish, maybe the freakish, most freakish thing I've ever heard, or uh, certainly in the top five. Uh, the story I heard was that there was a car in front of him, or he, I, I think he was, I think what it was, he, he ran over, there was a piece of metal in the road, like a metal pole or something that was in the road. He ran, he dodged it and missed it. The car behind him hit it. it the force sent it into the air and it went through the windshield and right into his skull is the way I understood it while he was driving. So the car behind him hit it and it just plunged it into the air. And, uh, yeah. So it was just freakish with a capital F unbelievable. Mm. So that was the, the, you know, just, I I remember hearing that and I I said, I cannot believe that that, (laughs) that that's what happened to him. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and a sad loss. Yeah, well, not not long after he made the uh, the Devil's Own. I think it was maybe a year after, right, or maybe two. Right. Well, so they, it's, uh, it's 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 pertinent uh, the Alan Pakula story because they've made a new movie about him, a new documentary. Uh, they just came out with a trailer for it last week, and uh, it looks to be uh, pretty good. I mean, if you're a fan of I mean, conspiracy movies alone in the 70s. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, but, it, man, he made one great one after another. Uh, just one of our great directors. And and even in the trailer, you see, like, Harrison Ford's crying, talking about his death, and it's, it's yeah. uh, going to be a good movie. Yeah, it's apparently really com- uh, comprehensive, too, because Norma Frank, who we had on the show, you know, she was the female lead in uh, Fear Strikes Out, and we had her on... Yeah. I think at the tail end of 2017 for the 60th anniversary, she's in the movie because he produced Fear Strikes Out. You know, he's a producer on it, so they yeah. even reached they reached so far and wide that they they didn't want to leave any stone unturned. So they actually reached out to her, flew her up to New York, and and did some on camera interviews with her so she could give her side of that story when he was first starting out because uh, she you know, yeah. she did work work with him had some uh, dealings with him when they were making fear strikes out so uh i don't know I, if I, they've, I don't know if they've got plans for it yet if it's been picked up or or if it'll eventually just turn up on like american masters or something but uh it's definitely worth keeping an eye on them to see mm-hmm. what happens with that 
I'm excited. I I knew nothing about it until she told me. Uh, I think we were at a Christmas because she lives in my area, and we were at a Christmas party, and she kind of spilled the beans a couple of years ago that that was happening, and I was like, oh boy, I can't wait for to see that. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, we'll move along to a couple of the uh, Marvel titles that have been issued in 4K. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man, and, uh, well, I think that's the only ones, those three. But And uh, and Frozen. Frozen is another one, I guess, in, in, in anticipation of the upcoming Frozen uh-huh. sequel. But uh, those are all Disney titles. I just wanted to get those mentioned. And uh, Zombieland has... Let it go, has, Let it go. Uh, let it go. <laughs> oh, I'm going to. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to add about any of those uh, because uh, nothing I say or don't say is going to curtail the popularity of those titles. So, uh, yeah. Z- Zombieland. Uh, has let me been just let me just say one yeah. thing. Let me mm-hmm. just say one thing, uh, and it's related to Disney, since mm-hmm. since Disney owns everything. Yeah, uh, I was talking. I have an old friend that that used to be a co-manager with me at a movie theater, so I've known him for many decades. And mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about he's still in uh, theater management, and I've long since left. But we were talking about the dynamic of are theaters endangered? Should they play ball with Netflix and that whole thing? And and he's firmly on the side of theaters, understandably, where he says, yeah, theaters aren't going to go anywhere. We don't need to play ball with them. But Disney has started their own streaming network. Mm-hmm. So if Disney decides, hey, we want a fast way to add 80 million subscribers, why don't we produce an Avengers-level movie and just post it on our streaming site? The second they do that and forego theaters altogether and, and they add 80, 100 million subscribers, I don't know how many it would take to justify that, that would equal – equal a global box office gross, the second they do that, uh, theaters are done. Yep. They, they've, they, they're buried. Yep, I agree. Totally agree. Could not agree more. I, I think uh, it's going to get really interesting to see what happens in the next decade. We, we've seen so much change in the last 10 years, and I cannot even begin to fathom what we'll be talking about uh, 10 years from now as far in terms of that sort of thing. I can't well, that's what think. I told him. I said, t- I said, ten years from now, uh, there's a great chance that theaters will be obsolete. Because, yeah. and, and plus, look at the bullshit you have to deal with when you go to the theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that are not in your control, from presentation to the person sitting next to you. That's right. That you don't have to deal with from the comfort of your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you have good presentation at home, and you're lucky enough to have that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I know not everybody has the capability, but if you if you've got a good you know good um, system, more yeah, people sure. do than ever before. That's true, you and know, it's becoming more affordable. I mean, yeah, you walk in a Best Buy, you walk in a Best Buy, you're like, really? That TV is that cheap now? Yeah, things massive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can get a projector and screen like a a, a screen that will mount on your wall and a, and a projector. You can get a if you shop around, you can get all that for about five hundred bucks. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's uh, used and to be you'd have to sell a kidney to to get a fifty inch. Yeah, <laughs> now it's like you know, 
Yeah, and with a screen, you get a hundred inch. You easily mount a hundred inch screen and get a projector, and you've got you know hundred basically a hundred inch TV in your house. So you know, yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to get real interesting to see where it's going. And and then while we're on the subject, uh, there was a piece of news that came out this past week that they're going to put a moratorium on a, a lot of the 20th Century Fox titles, which has caused a big uh, brouhaha. Uh, they were Ugh. citing one of the titles that was cited was uh, um, uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, that they're going to put these things the way that they put stuff in the Disney vaults, where they're going to put those movies in the vaults and just put lock them away, basically, where you can't have access to them. So I guess if people have physical copies of this thing, these things or digital downloads, you better hold on to them because they, uh, it looks just like the only reason they bought Fox was so they could get their hands on the the properties that would make money for them, and the rest of the stuff doesn't really seem to, to matter, like uh, those types of movies like Raising Arizona, and we could go on and on and on. But, um, yeah, if, if it's not... Star Wars, Alien, Planet of the Apes, uh, X-Men, anything that you can immediately relaunch as a franchise it, uh, that was once upon a time owned by Fox. You know, so, yeah, something to think about for sure. Interesting. And kind of scary. Yeah, there's an article about it floating around on, online. Um, yeah. I think it was uh, Matt uh, what's uh, Matt or however I can't yeah. remember. His name. <laughs> yeah, I think that's his name. Well, we'll move right along and just say uh, Zombieland has been issued in 4K, of course, to tie in with the new one that's in theaters now. And so we have that. We have the 1980 horror film The Prey. This is an Arrow video release. Um, This one starred Jackie Coogan, speaking of Adam's family. Uncle Fester himself appeared in The Prey. And I think it was one of his final films. Uh, like I said, made made 1980. This has three cuts of the prey. <laughs> so uh, what? anyway, it's one of these cult horror films, uh, and uh, I can't say that I've ever seen it. I'm aware of the title. Used to turn up in video stores all the time, but um, yeah, I can see the anyway. cover art in my mind, but I, I oh, don't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah, I don't really either. Uh, Kino, of course. They usually have a quite a, a healthy heaping of titles each month, and well, October is no different. And we'll start with one of their titles. Uh, the first one we'll mention of, of their releases is "Wanted: Dead or Alive," starring the recently deceased Rutger Hauer from mm. 1986. This is the one directed by Gary Sherman, kind of a a modern modernized take on the old TV show from the 60s. And Gene Simmons, I believe, was the villain, and Robert Guillaume. Was in there as well. Anyway, I remember when this came out. Robert Guillaume, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Uh, yeah, Benson himself. <laughs> Rudger Hauer, Gene Simmons, and Robert and Guillaume. Robert Guillaume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in cool. Life. Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe you should see it for that trio of of. Uh, of, of leads there. Well, the Man, 1980 film. I was speaking of which, I was watching the new Centurions the other day, 1972 uh-huh. movie with George C. Scott. And, I remember it. Yeah. And good, good and stuff. early on, uh, it, uh, what is her name? Isabel Sanford. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. In, from the Jeffersons. Wheezy. Yeah, Wheezy. Yes. Yeah. Early on, she is arrested. By George C. Scott and Stacey Keach, she's a a prostitute. 
on the street and she's one of the prostitutes that they round up and and it was crazy <laughs> it was crazy seeing Weezy playing that part I mean she played it well but uh, you know it was one of those things where wow where she started and what she eventually just years later became known for the polar opposite yeah, yeah, I uh, I remember her appearing in that movie. Yeah, it's, I've seen that movie once, and I I enjoyed it because I I always enjoyed those uh, Joseph Wambaugh crime films and TV series that he, you know, that he did based on his novels or whatever. So those are all those are all pretty good for the most part. So yeah, but I remember her being in that. That's that's a that's that's interesting. Well, another Kino release is Folks from nineteen. 19- Eighty. This is folks with two F's, and this is, you know, when Roger Moore was trying to do something when he wasn't in the midst of filming a, a James Bond installment. He would try to do something else, and this is one of those films. It's terrorists taking over oil rigs and threatening to explode them if their demands are not met, and a commando unit sent in to stop them. And I was just looking at this cast. The entire cast is now sadly gone, which is really uh, makes you. Stop and think. Roger Moore, James Mason, Anthony Perkins, Michael Parks, David Hedison, and Jack Watson. So, yeah. Anyway, folks, from 1980s, another Kino release. And uh, the House of Hitchcock collection is a universal repackaging of all of their uh, Alfred Hitchcock titles in a Blu-ray box that's shaped like a, a house. And... Anyway, it's basically got all the, like I said, all the titles that they control the rights to, which would be, of course, The Birds and Psycho and Vertigo, most of the titles you know. And um, so, anyway, that's, uh, that's something worth mentioning. So those are mentioning. all just, just repackaged, previously yeah. available Blu-rays? Right, yeah. But uh, I think the uh, the uh, there was an Alfred Hitchcock signature collection, I think it was. I, I bought it. It's yeah. uh the box that I have that one, and that's uh, I think it went out of print. So this is a basically the, all of those uh, titles uh, they're back in print now. So anyway, we'll move along to like I said, we're we're moving through uh, the first of the month, and um, let's see here. I'm trying to See, we have also a uh, for for anybody who missed it. There's a director's cut. I know this is a newer release. We typically go with the, the catalog titles, but this is a director's cut of Midsummer, which has 25 more minutes. It was briefly briefly released in theaters, but I just wanted to mention that if there's anybody who's a, who's clamoring for more of Midsummer from last summer, a horror film that equally divided um, audiences. Uh, not really my divided, cup of tea, but. Yeah, it divided you and I. Yeah, I did. And I really, I, I really haven't spoken to you much since. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't hate it, but I just, I didn't embrace it. As I, much as you did. I loved it. I loved it. And I'm, yeah. but I'm, I'm telling you, I loved it. But I would not be surprised if I never watched it again. And yeah. Just like, just like Hereditary. And it feels uh, oppressive enough. I can't imagine mm-hmm. another 25 minutes on that thing. Yeah, I can't either. Uh, yeah, that that runtime was a little excessive to begin with, and yeah, I'm right there with you. So yeah, uh, to- totally agree. Well, anyway, we'll move along to Hercules and the Haunted World from 1961. Another Kino release has three cuts of uh, three different. Um, it says three cuts of this film. I'm not sure about this, but it's a 
one of these uh, it's directed by Mario Bava, a, a Hercules film that's directed by Mario Bava and starring Christopher Lee. So, in any way... Uh, Hercules get his go. head cut off in the movie or something? <laughs> Makes you wonder, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What is the deal with three cuts of all these movies? Big movies? Uh, I know. I, I know. And this was a different... The other one with three cuts was an Arrow release. This is a Kino release, so I don't know. But, anyway... Toys are not for children. Is a uh, this is a 1972 horror film, which uh, it's about an emotionally stunted child woman who not only suffers from an unhealthy fixation on a long absent father, but also has an obsession with all the toys he gave her as a little girl. This is a horror suspense thriller directed by Stanley Brosloff, and it's another Arrow release, and I think Ooh. it had an alternate title. A lot of like dolls. stunted. Stunted kid or adult yeah. child, a lot, a lot of those movies at that time, whether it's that or the baby or or wild yeah. child, or it's true baby doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she she was a little a little bit more adult than uh, her age would suggest. <laughs> In yeah. Baby doll, right? Yeah, that's a great movie. Is. It is. It really is. Yep, so The Killer of Dolls, 1975. This is a Mondo Macabro release, and not really familiar with this title either, but it's another one of those uh, Italian giallo-type horror films directed yeah. by Miguel Madrid. And um, Primary Colors is uh, from 1998. This is John Travolta, of course, and Emma Thompson in the thinly-veiled story of, of the ascendancy of Bill Clinton, which was directed by Mike Nichols. And this it's is a, a yeah, universal release. So, uh, yeah, Universal, uh, and they also issued Sergeant Bilko, which came out uh, around the same time, uh, a couple of years before. So, <laughs> the Steve I like, Martin, I like so. primary. I like I like primary colors. It's got some really good <laughs> stuff in it. Uh, I like I like Kathy Bates. I like uh, I like the fact that they cast Larry Hagman. I mean, I thought that was inspired casting. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff in that movie. Uh, but what a 180 from the movies that you were talking about. <laughs> Toy, well, toys aren't for adults or whatever. They go to primary colors. It, 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 when you're going on that horror thing, I was thinking, is children shouldn't play with dead things? Is that on Blu-ray? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been out a while, I think. So, yeah, I think so. so That's from the title the I gray. used to always see when I was a kid. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're right. It used to turn up in the uh, video stores uh, quite a bit, I remember. And, and I saw it, and uh, not bad. Not bad. I haven't seen it in a long time, though. That, that that gives me an idea. Maybe I should pull that out and see it again. But, yeah, the last of the Amicus horror anthology films, you know, there were a bunch of them back in the mid to early, uh, late 60s to mid-70s, I guess. And, you know, there was Tales from the Crypt Vault of Horror Asylum. And anyway, the last of that cycle was From Beyond the Grave, which uh, starred Peter Cushing and uh, Donald Pleasance. And uh, this has been issued by Warner Archive, like I said, uh, from 1974. And it's about a, a curio shop, and uh, where the, uh, the, the stuff in the curio shop is cursed. And there's a story about each person that buys something there. So I think they used that premise later on for the Friday the 13th television series uh, or something similar to that. But anyway, there's um, 
a box set of three silent classics by Joseph von Sternberg, Underworld, The Last Command, and The Docks of New York. That's a Criterion release. Wanted to mention that. And there's a John Saxon release from Kino Lorberg called Nightmare Beach. And um, this one also stars uh, Michael Parks, again, turning up. He just turned up in Folks and turns up in this one, too. It's a, a biker gang film from 1989, when mm. long after those type of things had had ceased being, uh, you know, readily uh, being released on a regular basis. I, I, I would buy Nightmare Beach, but I'll, I'll wait for the version that has the second and third cuts on it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, The Electric Horseman with Jane Fonda, Robert Redford, that's a universal release. It's, I think, pretty much bare bones, but uh, it has been issued on uh, on Blu-ray. Is that Sidney Pollack? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. Not bad of its type, I guess. It's fine. Uh, Kino Lorber, again, a couple of those, and we're always talking about those early, uh, those touchstone comedies, those goofy things that were churning out, seem like... Endlessly each week. Well, my boyfriend's back from 1993 is another one of those, Ooh. directed by Bob Balaban, uh, starring Ed- Edward Herman and J.O. Sanders and Paul Dooley, and produced by Sean Cunningham of Friday the 13th fame. So, anyway, and the other one, yeah. another Kino release. Yeah, believe it or not, Bob Balaban, Bob they- Balaban, and Sean S. Cunningham. Did they just because uh, their names rhymed? Is that how they got those two together? Because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put them together in my wildest imagination. I know it's pretty wild. It really is. But um, anyway, another one of those Kino releases is The Monster, starring Roberto Benigni from 1994. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, what more can you say about that? If you're a Benigni type of person, well. There you go, and if not, well, I guess it's best. To I wonder if he's still active, uh, an active filmmaker in Italy, or uh, I know, right? If he's if he just got the little bit of exposure from, uh, well, big time exposure in America from Life Is Beautiful, and then he descended back to his region. I, yeah, I don't know. it seemed like uh, he didn't, you know, after that showboating or whatever, when he picked up his award. You know, he didn't quite kind of became the punchline, and I don't know if he ever rebounded from that. So, yeah. Yeah, which I, you know, the guy was, well, the guy's excitable anyway. He yeah. would go on Jay Leno and, and fuck the furniture on Jay Leno. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I never liked the whole, oh, he's so excited, let's, let's hate him for it. You know, I, yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a nice moment. The moment that happened, it, it felt yeah, good. Yeah, sure. So. I agree. It didn't, didn't bother me that much, but I mean, just in the public consciousness, they had this, you know, this kind of, a, like I said, made him the punchline of all the jokes. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, Dudley Do-Right is another universal release. This is <laughs> the one with Brendan Fraser. Boy, they were turning out those uh, those TV adaptations, right? Boy. That and Mr. Magoo. With yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, here's another one of those Kino releases turning up. Fatherhood, starring Patrick Swayze. And Halle Berry, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
They were written by the novelist Scott Spencer, uh, better known for Endless Love and Waking the Dead, which seems like an odd choice for him to write that film, but what do you know? Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's another one of those Kino titles from Touchstone that we're always talking about. Uh, they uh, they seem to, uh, they've been pumping them out for sure. So um, they've reissued the Black Hole. They put that out earlier, I think back in August, uh, as a Disney Club, movie club exclusive. You have to be a part of their movie club or whatever and in order to, you can't get it in stores is the point I'm trying to make. And anyway, it was a 40th anniversary edition. They had some problems with it. Uh, there's an overture at the beginning of the film, and apparently it would jump right to the film and skip over the overture, and a lot of the fans of the movie were really angry. So they've corrected that, reissued it uh, on October 14th. Wanted to mention that, that the black hole. So it's like, a, it's like a made-to-order thing? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. But uh, oh. at, at least they put it out there. I wish they would have done a little more with it, you know, with it being the 40th anniversary and all, and especially now that we've recently lost Robert Forster, who has a prominent role in that film. Uh, would have been nice, but to get him in some extras maybe to talk about it. But, yeah, Man, I guess it's Robert not important. Forster. I, did you know. watch The El Camino on, on Netflix? I did. Breaking Bad? Sequel. I did. Robert Forster yeah. has a good a good stretch in that uh, movie. Sure he probably does. says yeah. like probably says like five or six lines. M- mm-hmm. Most of his performance is silence, and God, he held the screen. He was so good. Oh, he really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to some of the uh, the, the the podcast interviews that he's done over the years since since his passing and. I went back through the Fresh Air archives and listened to him on the Leonard Malton show, and uh, boy, I mean, he was just such a, a great interview subject too, and just so no, no nonsense about things, you know. And he had great stories, John Huston stories, and just stories, great Tarantino stories about when he was given that role, you know, that res- resurrected his career, obviously, and just he was such a grateful guy, so appreciative for, of what he. He had, yeah. you know, he never took it for granted, never. And, I wasn't and, expecting to talk to him. Uh, there, there were. Uh, I was at work. Yeah. And I got an email, email that said, "Hey, you want to talk to Robert Forrester right now?" And I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I said, "Sure." So I raced out of the office with my cell phone. I, I had to program a recording segment. And yeah. then I pressed record on it. I ran outside with my cell phone. I was like, I'm sorry, Mr. Forrester. Just give me one second to get situated. And he said, oh, I'm fine, Jamie. I'm enjoying the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> like and, you know, uh, we sat there. We talked like 25, 30 minutes. And, um, and he, he, you know, from Tarantino to, to, to he told me a John Houston story, too. He was just absolutely a delightful guy. Yeah. Such a! I, I was so shocked uh, because I know that the uh, the El Camino came up. You know, they posted it that morning, and uh, and then it was l- literally that night that the the word of his passing came through. I said, "This can't be right." I just saw him in yeah. that thing earlier today. You know, it's like wow. What? Uh, anyway, yes. At least he had something. Uh, that, that was a good sign. I'm sure he's probably got a couple in the can. He worked all the time, but. But uh, that was a that was a good uh, 
a touching farewell if if there aren't any more that would be a good send off right there so uh scarface has been issued in a 4k release as a 4k release i should say both as a standard and a steel book i think the steel book is a best buy exclusive i believe but anyway nevertheless uh there's been a remastering done on scarface for anybody who's a uh who's a fan and who isn't right <laughs> well yeah. i mean i can think of some people but uh but what do they know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's Hellboy from 2004. That's also been issued in 4K, as has American Gangster. So there's a couple of titles there. And um, American Gangster, man. Man, they get some mileage off of that movie. They sure do. It seems like it's released every other month or something. Yeah. So uh, the wit the 1922 silent film it's a it's a horror film about witches in the Middle Ages and uh, it's called Hoxon from 1922 uh-huh. two cuts two cuts of the film haha <laughs> it's a cri- Criterion release yeah uh, but Criterion normally does that sort of thing so that's not quite out of the ordinary for them but anyway. Uh, and another Warner Archive release, this one is worth mentioning in lieu of uh, the release of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, was reissued this weekend with a 10 extra minutes. I've, I've heard those 10 extra minutes aren't actually in the film, by the way. I've heard they're uh, before the film gets started and after the film is ended. So for anybody who's yeah, wondering about they're, that. They're, uh, they're two commercials and yes. two scenes from the TV shows. Yep, that's what I heard. So I don't think I'm going back, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, cash grab. Uh, anyway, just wanted to mention uh, to tie this into that, the Fearless Vampire Killers, which is the the movie that uh, that Polanski and Sharon Tate met on, that they were making, and they they met and fell in love. And anyway, this has been a title that's been much in uh, requested for Warner Archive, and I think they were looking for the best film elements before they did something with it. But they there has been a uh, a Blu-ray copy that's been floating around that was released in Europe, but um, it it was mastered from an HD DVD master. Uh, it wasn't really a 4K restoration or anything. They've actually found the original film elements. They restored it. So uh, for anybody who's a fan of the Fearless Vampire Killers, and and I am, I must admit. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's good. Yeah. I, di- I didn't warm It took me a little while to warm up to it. I'll be honest with you. The first time I saw it, I, I didn't really appreciate it. And then I, I, for some reason, watched it a second time. I think it was with a group of people, and we decided to put it on. And I don't know. I responded to it the second time, and I, I've, it, it seems like I enjoy it more every time that I uh, that I watch it. So it's it's mm. not something that I – it took me a while. It took me a while, but I've reached the point where I can officially say I like it. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I find that movie insufferable. But, <laughs> but in, the, in the midst of it, Sharon Tate is like this – golden orb that you can't oh, yeah. take your eyes off of. She is just devastatingly beautiful in that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's not something that you can like I said it it, it takes a, for me it took a while because I had the same reaction you did the first time. I was like, "Oh god, what is the deal with this? Everybody talks so highly about it and I don't know. I, it took me, but like I said I've reached the point where I can officially say I it's not my favorite okay. movie of all time, but I I appreciate it. So, so I just need to see it three more times. <laughs> I don't know about that. You may feel the same way. Um, 
but that does have some gorgeous production design. We can't agree on that. Yeah. It's an incredible, yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible looking film. So, uh, anyway, but I'm glad it's out there. Um, so the Omen collection has been issued by Scream Factory. We want to mention this. Um, you know, there has been an Omen collection released previously by Fox, but it was just the basically the Omen remake and the original trilogy. So it wasn't really as comprehensive as this one. This one includes not only the original trilogy of films, uh, it also includes the made-for-TV continuation Omen 4, The Awakening. And then it ha- and I think that starred Faye Grant, I believe, who was previously known uh, for her role in V, the TV series V. Uh, and then it has the, of course, the 19, uh, the 2006 Omen remake, which, boy, they uh, really used all their marketing might to tie that one in, didn't they, with the uh, June 6, 2006, I think, is when they released it. But, boy, they they used, a, they used that for all of its advantage. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Uh, starring starring Liv Scribner. Of, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He sure is. Old Liv. Yeah. Well, uh, this has a boatload of new features, I must say. It uh, has a 4K remaster of The Omen. It has new interviews with Lee Grant, who's, who's in her mid-90s at this point, Robert Foxworth, Ooh. Holly Palance, Elizabeth Shepard, who I think is the uh, the woman who gets her eyes pecked out by the raven in the second film, probably my favorite death of any in the entire series. Uh, the writer, David Seltzer, Graham Baker, who directed the third film, uh, Andrew Birkin, um, production assistant Gene Ferber, there's an Ogun, Omen Legacy documentary, the Omen Revealed documentary, still galleries, commentaries, vintage featurettes, theatrical trailers, TV spots, radio spots. Those are a few things you'll find on this tremendous box set that's just packed full of stuff. So uh, anyway... Screen Factory has really gone all out with their Omen collection, and it's uh, it's the final word on the Omen films, I would definitely say. So, for anybody who is a who is a fan of the Omen films, there you go. And Tell you what, that's the a, dark. A, 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 a fan favorite for the Goldsmith score. Now that Goldsmith oh, yeah. score, it's one of those it's one of those scores that's uh, really difficult to listen to on its own. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I agree. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. You know, the second film has always been kind of dumped on over the years. People just kind of dismissed it. I'm a big fan of the second film. I think it has some of the best, uh, most inventive and creative deaths in any mm. horror film of the 70s. I mean, there are some really grisly goings on in that film. And, and it's. I could just imagine them having a writing session and saying, "Well, uh, let's see if we what the what's the what's the most uh, imaginative death we can come up with for this character." I mean, because there are mm-hmm. really, really inventive uses of uh, that sort of thing. Um, I, I remember there's one character in the movie who gets literally the the elevator cable uh, comes apart and he gets cut in half by the elevator cable in the elevator. <laughs> Literally, his torso is severed from the rest of his body, and they, they show it in slow motion from what I remember. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I always enjoyed Damien the Omen 2 as much as I did the first one, I have to admit. But anyway, and Soon the Darkness is a 1970 Kino Lorber release, and it's about these two English What's women who go... Uh, and soon the darkness. 
1970, directed by Robert Fust, starring Pamela Franklin and John Nettleton. Is this one that we have on our list, or or no? I don't think so. Okay, maybe it was just a British release. Maybe it was uh, because these are British. This is the British. Um, Robert Fust oh. was director of Abominable Doctor Fibes. They re so, they remade it. They remade it with. Carl Urban and Amber Heard in 2010. Huh. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, re- two released, the, released the 4th of July, 1970. Wow. Okay. Oh. Okie dokie. Well, anyway, it has been recently issued by Keno Lorber. It's a kind of a murder mystery about these two girls that on bicycling and they get, they get involved in a missing person's case and when one of them goes missing I, I, the other one begins to search for her. that's essentially what it amounts to so The Killer Nun is a Arrow video release from 1979 it's one of those uh, uh, it's another Italian demented nun torturing and killing patients while having a sexual relationship with another nun <laughs> Anita Ekberg is in this one I'm not really familiar with it, but uh, like I said, Arrow video release. Just wanted to mention that. And uh, I know we don't typically talk about television, but I will mention that Twin Peaks, the complete television experience, which includes both series from 1990 to 2017, has been issued in Blu-ray. And I think it does include the film, the uh, Fire Walk With Me, also in there. So I wanted to mention that. Sudden Terror, another 1970 film, Sudden Terror. This one's directed by John Ho, starring Mark Lester uh, and Lionel Jeffries. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I don't have to ask how he got the job. (laughs) Okay, well, and and Soon the Darkness uh, came out in the U.S. in 1971. Okay, that explains Uh, it. There you go. and And this one's called Sudden Terror? 1977, yep, Terror. 1970, yes. Uh, February 10th, 1971, in the U.S. Okay, all right, there we go. Now we're clear on those. Irwin Irving Allen Productions. Yeah, okay. Really? Hmm. Hmm. Let's see, uh, yeah, all right. Irving, oh, Irving Allen. Oh, I thought you said Irwin <laughs> Allen. <laughs> no, not, Irv, not Irving. Not the guy. <laughs> Different guy. Uh. Irwin and Irving, it does get confusing. Uh, the Mindbenders from 1963 is a another Kino release. And this one has Dick Bogard and Wendy Craig. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a communist spy thriller. Well, anyway, A Simple Twist of Fate. There you go with another one of those uh, Touchstone releases. Steve Martin from 1994, another yeah. Kino release. <laughs> it's another one of the those. The Little Kid. Yep, that's the one. That is it's the like, one. It's like three men, and a, three men and a little girl minus two of mm-hmm. the men. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Well, uh, Buster Keaton in uh, his silent classic Our Hospital, our hospitality has been uh, – I think it's been issued before, but Kino has reissued that. I want to mention that. And uh, White Christmas has been reissued by Paramount on Blu-ray. And this might be a first time on Blu-ray for White Christmas. Not really sure, but it has been issued nevertheless. 
Uh, it's out there now. And um, let's see here. There's a couple of others. Things I had in mind. Uh, the Blob. The Scream Factory has reissued the 1988 The Blob, which had been previously issued by Twilight Time, and the Twilight Time went out of print almost immediately. This apparently has a big cult following. Um, I can't remember what the extras were on the uh, Twilight Time release, but those that thing was going for close to $100 at one point. It was uh, that much in demand. But uh, Scream Factory has reissued it, and they have stacked this thing with tons of of extras. There's a new audio commentary with the director, Chuck Russell, who uh, later went on to do The Mask with Jim Carrey, of course. And, uh, and Eraser with Schwarzenegger. What happened there? Yes. That's a good question. He also wrote Nightmare on Elm Street 3, if you remember, or co-wrote that. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I, I know. I wonder I wonder what happened to him. But yeah, there's new audio commentary I, with... Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, recently I... Uh, I remember watching the remake of The Blob years and years and years ago. I don't remember mm-hmm. a thing about it, but I did rewatch the original Blob mm-hmm. not too long ago when it was on the Criterion Channel. And <clears throat> it's interesting the um, the town that that was made in, the drive the not the drive-in, but the movie theater is still there. And every year, every year they get together and they recreate the image of everyone running out of the movie theater screaming onto the street. <laughs> It's in, it's cool. They they have a I guess it's a small smallish town, and yeah. they have a tourism industry surrounding the blob. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, that's uh. I will. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get people in and the town. I guess. Everybody dresses up for the photo op. Everybody dresses up in their poodle skirts and their fifty yeah. jeans and everything. Yeah, it's really neat. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, this uh, <clears throat> I, I I saw this in the theater actually. Uh, it came out in August of '88, I remember, and I went with a friend and we saw it on a weekday night. Uh, we just I don't know, we just decided on a whim to go see it. The theater was completely empty. We were the only two people in the theater, and I said, "Geez, I don't know." And it had just come out like a couple of days earlier, like the previous weekend. I said, "I don't know what what the hell, you know." And we went in. We loved it. We had a hell of a time. We just enjoyed it. We said, "Man, that was." Uh, and uh, there's a scene in it where uh, a guy gets literally pulled into a drain pipe by the blob, and uh, oh. where it pulls him through the drain pipe, and, and we were just aghast at that. We thought that was just a hoot. We were like, "Wow, this is this is really inventive." <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed it back then, and it, and you know it holds up. It's a little dated with the you know some of the uh, hairstyles and typical stuff from the '80s, the '80s artifacts. But uh, you know it has a nice sense of humor and it's fun enough for what it is. It, um, but yeah, there's there's a ton of extra uh, behind the scenes stuff here, behind the scenes footage, isolated score, and just all kinds of extra. So uh, the Blob is back in print thanks to Scream Factory, and just wanted to mention that uh, for anybody who who has not uh, didn't get their copy previously and wanted a copy, well, it's available now. And so, as is, the, uh, well, a first-time release on this one, sorry, Scream Factory's The Devil Rides Out, which is a Hammer horror film from 1968. And this uh, this has a, uh, you know, it's uh, basically about this uh, witch's co- this coven of devil worshippers, basically, it's a satanic cult who's intent on making um, 
this uh, this man one of the devil's disciples, and it has uh, oh, it's got Christopher Lee. He's trying to stop them in this film, and Charles Gray from uh, who later appeared in Diamonds Are Forever as the villain, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting. This was at a, t- at a time around the time that Rosemary's Baby was released. I think they preempted the release of this film in the United States because they didn't want it to take away any of the thunder from Rosemary's Baby, if I understand correctly. But anyway, uh, it has a following all of its own, and it is it does have its moments. But uh, it has Hammer's, a, Hammer's interesting. Hammer's an yeah. interesting, uh, an interesting factory. It's especially interesting yeah. uh, uh, Hammer's response, which was slow to uh, the changing movie culture. Uh, oh yeah. Because if you think what horror movies became, mm-hmm. and so raw and uh, an immediate, if you think Last House or. Texas Chainsaw, or you know, even something like Deliverance, which in some circles can be considered a horror movie. Um, yeah. Hammer, Hammer was really outdated, and they, uh, Hammer, especially since they relied upon the older refinement of uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and and uh, who's the Vincent Price, and yeah, uh, of you course. know, how does that genre find its footing when the seventies roll around? And it, it's interesting that the growing pains surrounding that. I mean, there's a scene in, what is the movie? Um, maybe Frankenstein must be destroyed where Peter Cushing rapes a girl. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason, for no reason, except they said, we need an exploitative. We need a rape scene in this movie. Yeah. And of course the seventies were the most rapey decaded movies, but uh, oh, of course, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Interesting for sure. Well, uh, yeah, The Devil Rides Out is available from Scream Factory with a boatload of new extras, lots of commentaries and behind-the-scenes stuff, so just wanted to get that out there. Uh, I think we mentioned this one last month, but I just wanted to reiterate in case I didn't. I couldn't remember for sure. Holocaust has been issued the miniseries, the seven-and-a-half-hour winner of eight Emmy Awards. James Woods, Meryl Streep, Michael Moriarty, all that. uh, Paramount release, no extras, but it looks great. I just want to move on. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and the 2000 Charlie's Angels. Um, Full Throttle, of course, was the sequel. Both of these have been issued. uh, I think uh, Charlie's Angels is in 4K, whereas Full Throttle is a Blu-ray for the first time ever. Uh, The 1982 film, and uh, speaking of Full Throttle, I think Demi Moore was in that. She's also in the 1982 horror film Parasite in 3D, Uh (laughs) which has been issued by Kino. (laughs) So uh tie that one Which in. she just she just talked about uh, last week on yeah. uh James Corden. because they, they have that uh that game stuff your guts or something where they have to eat something disgusting if they refuse to answer oh, yeah, a question. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, What's your most embarrassing moment? Well, what's the movie you wish that you'd get rid of on your resume? And she said Parasite. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, she's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, well, they've issued it in 3D, so you actually can see it in its proper 3D, uh, the proper 3D presentation. The uh, the 1970s. I'm sure that changes made, everything. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> it just raises the bar, the quality, just right up there. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the 1973 horror film "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark," which is considered to be one of the the landmark television horror films of the 1970s. 
that has been issued by Warner Archive. And uh, they've, they've gone back to the original film elements for this and put this out on Blu-ray. Thank oh. goodness. It's nice to see the TV movie Love. And uh, Warner Archive's been doing a pretty good job with that. They, last year they did Bad Ronald. Uh, even this year they even went so far as to do Man from Atlantis, which um uh, not really sure. I know it has its fans, but I'm not among them. But <laughs> anyway, uh, and speaking of TV movies, let's mention this one, Trilogy of Terror 2 from 1996. Now, the original Trilogy of Terror is considered one of the landmark, also another landmark horror film from the 1970s where Karen Black played three different tortured women in three different stories. It was an anthology film. and Anyway, they... Uh, they they had the the British actress Lisette Anthony coming back coming to take over for to take the reins from Karen Black uh, 21 years later, and they did a trilogy of terror too, which uh, she plays three tortured women in this film in place of Karen Black, and it also has Jeffrey Lewis and Matt Clark and I remember it being fairly fairly good. It debuted on the USA uh, the USA Network. And uh, mm. I remember it being fairly enjoyable. Uh, the third story, the Apollo continuation Lights. of exactly, exactly. But the third story is a continuation of the uh, the little devil doll from the first movie. It's a quasi sequel, picks up where the original mm. ended. So uh, yeah, and the technology was, of course, with 21 years passing, the, the technology for the doll was a lot more polished than the 75 original. Did you ever see the, the speaking of the African dolls? You ever see that movie yeah. Ooga Booga? <laughs> I've heard about it, but no, I have not. Mm-mm. Ooga Booga. I've never yeah. seen it either, but uh, great title. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think one of the best documentaries of the 90s, in my opinion, Muhammad Ali, uh, When We Were Kings, mm-hmm. has been issued by Criterion with a brand new transfer and a lot of new extras. And uh, this, was, of course, was a film that took 22 years to get released. They started filming it in 74. The director, I think it's Leon Gast, was the director, and he ran out of funds, couldn't complete it, and they finally got it completed in the mid-'90s, and it's just a fantastic documentary of that period, that time, and when the, the rumble in the jungle, when he was fighting George Frazier. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with that story, boy, that's a that's a good one, I think. So... Uh, the 1980 film, and we were talking about John Huston earlier, let's tie that into Phobia from 1980, a Kino Lorber release, which uh, has a, a list of has six credited writers, all of whom, most of whom we, we know their names, <laughs> directed by John Huston, six writers, and starring Paul Michael, Michael Glazer uh, and Alexandra Stewart, Lisa Langlois, it's a grim horror film. It says the only one ever made by director John Huston. Patients from a psychiatrist phobia group are being murdered in ways that reflect their deepest fears. I I've always heard it's it's not really all that good, but I have not seen it, so I can't really vouch for it for sure. But uh, nevertheless, uh, phobia, the only horror film directed by John Huston, and A Man for All Seasons, the Oscar winner from 1966, which of course. Starred Robert Shaw and Paul Schofield, Wendy Hiller, and Orson Welles and Susanna York, directed by Fred Zinneman. That's been issued by Sony. It's one of their on-demand titles. You buy it, and they press it there on demand. The Return of Martin Guir from 82 has been issued by Cohen Media Group. That was, I think, 
later remade as Summersby, I believe. This is the uh, Gerard Depardieu is in this version, the 1982 uh, foreign version. But here's another one of those touchstone titles, Billy Bathgate from 1991. How about that one? Nicole Kidman and Justin Hoffman. Robert Bateman. Yes. Oh, and that that one guy, the the third wheel. Oh, the Uh, one that was so plain. Lauren Dean? Yes. Lauren Dean, I believe, yeah. Whatever happened to him? Vanilla Wafer. Yeah. Bruce Willis got fourth billing in this movie below Lauren Dean. What the heck was that all about? But anyway, (laughs) uh, well, uh, CoverGirl from 1984 is one of those, uh, you know, one of those sex comedies. Young girl enters the modeling industry wanting to become the face of the 80s. This is a Scorpio release. I just wanted to mention that one. Um, And um, so we have The Eagle, the Rudolph Valentino silent film from 1925 that's been issued by Kino. And the the recent documentary, David Crosby, Remember My Name, has been issued by Sony, which is pretty good, actually, I think. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, And then we'll move right along to the final week, which is this coming, this coming Tuesday. Well, uh, there's quite a few titles that are worth mentioning that are coming out. Um, The Wizard of Oz is being issued in 4K, uh, as is It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is being issued in 4K by Paramount, whereas Wizard of Oz is a Warner Brothers title. Um, The Godzilla Showa era films is a huge box set from Criterion, which includes every Godzilla film released between 1954 and 1975. Some of them have, brace for it, multiple cuts. (laughs) It's their it's their thousandth release, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and I am kind of excited about this uh, because it does have the original Japanese version of King Kong versus Godzilla, which I've never seen, and I hear it's better than the American version. So, mm. anyway, um, an American Werewolf in London has been issued for the third time on Blu-ray, but this time by Arrow Video. And they have created a bunch of new extras, and, and they've ported over all the other ones. This is a brand-new 4K scan of the original camera negative. So uh, if you're an Man, American Werewolf that, fan, that was, it's that – was at the, uh, That was at the video store I went to the other day, yesterday. Oh, really? It, it ah. was already out there on the shelves, yeah. Nice. Man, it's that a... video store, just to, just to give them a plug, mm-hmm. it's in Tampa. It's called Grindhouse Video. You walk in – they have like two different rooms. It's a big store, and they have everything, like everything that we talk about during these shows, all the Arrow videos, all the all the uh, imported stuff, every single horror movie that you can imagine. They have brand new sealed in this store. You don't have to order online. You just go to the neighborhood store like you did in the old days. It's uh, like a Shangri-La. I was walking in there, and it made me feel like a teenager again. Well, amazing! That is amazing. I saw your picture you sent. I was just salivating. I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" Yeah, for sure. Uh, Two Evil Eyes from 1990 is a Blue Underground release. That's uh, George Romero, and uh, it's a collaboration between George Romero and Dario Argento, where they each direct a story, a horror story. Harvey Keitel, E.G. Marshall, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, I remember it being fairly good. Uh, not bad. It's been a while. But, yeah. um, anyway, uh, the Ring Collection has been issued by Aero Video. The Ringu Collection, sorry, these are the original Japanese 
there's three of these, which were two of them were remade as Amer as the the Ring in America. So want to mention those and lots of new extras with those new transfers. Really good uh, collection uh, with the Ringus finally being issued on on Blu-ray and uh, the Man of a Thousand Faces is another Arrow release. This is the biopic of Lon Chaney Sr., where we have James Cagney playing him. and uh, The facts are a little bit dubious. <laughs> the factual representation of what really happened, uh, it's a, uh, kind of a quasi-fictionalized version of events, but still entertaining nonetheless, and Cagney's good as Lon Chaney Sr., and, uh, you know, typical of that uh, 50s-type biopic that you would get around that time frame. But anyway, lots of new extras on this one as well, another Arrow release. And, uh, you know, looks great, so what more can you say? Uh, here's one of the curios out of Scorsese's career, Kundun from 1997. This is a film that... Uh, Kundun. Notor- yeah, Kundun, yes. Uh, notoriously, uh, mis- um, not really represented very well on home video, especially the DVD... I think the original DVD. Yeah, it was. Oh, I'm sure they don't want to claim that one. Touchstone, maybe something like that. But Hollywood Pictures, one of those distribution arms they had. Now, if the Dalai Lama became a Jedi warrior, I mean that would have been right up their alley. Yes, you you have a story there, and uh, yeah, they would they would definitely sequelize it till uh, till till people stop coming. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad they put this out. There's a new, I think, a commentary here, a few extras, but uh, yeah, it's being issued, and um, it's one of <laughs> yeah, it's one of the funniest one of the funniest parts in uh, the Sopranos. Do you remember mm-hmm. that scene where they see where they see Scorsese? And uh, I think Michael Imperioli's character, he like shouts out, Hey, Marty, I love Kundun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, when I talked to Thelma Schoonmaker, she was, she's, uh, I, I talked to her a lot about Casino, about how that movie's been reevaluated over the years. And, mm-hmm. and she said, yeah, I hope the same, I hope the same thing happens to uh, bringing out the dead in Kundun. That's what she well, said. Yeah. So. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it doesn't get quite the respect it deserves. I mean, it was it was a personal film, obviously, and yeah, I guess he's lucky he got to make it, but still, uh, I'm glad he got to make it, you know. So, anyway, uh, Private School from 1983. This stars Phoebe Cates and Matthew Modine. Uh, you know, it's one of those, uh, I don't know, one of those, uh, again, one of those sex comedies that were atypical of the early 1980s. But um, anyway, it's a Shout Factory release, so you know a few extras there. And uh, Red Heat from 1988 has been issued in 4K. Red Heat with Belushi and Schwarzenegger, and we're not talking about John Belushi. We're talking about Jim Belushi, of course. Uh, Walter Hill, Mr. Yes, Walter Hill, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy is a Warner Archive release. That's uh, Jackie Chan, and um, this uh, you're gonna laugh. Two cuts of this film. <laughs> I swear, two cuts. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy. He's a not so game. nice guy in one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, and Warner Archive has also released a film that I absolutely adore. I think it's one of the best representations, cinema, cinematic representations of alcoholism 
best depictions of alcoholism in film. Days of Wine and Roses, directed by Blake Edwards. It's a fantastic, phenomenal movie, I think, uh, that I could not recommend more. And they had a Blake Edwards commentary when this was originally issued on DVD in 2004. Thankfully, that's been ported over. And um, so, yeah, I remember listening to that commentary and him, and he said something about. Uh, he said immediately when I when I when I finished Days of Wine and Roses, he said I immediately stopped drinking. He said, unfortunately, Jack went on for quite some time after that. So I, <laughs> Jack Lemon, he was really yeah. So yeah, uh, Watch Me When I Kill is a Synapse Films special edition. Uh, it's one of those. It's 1977 horror film, slice and dice type thing. I think it's an Italian film, Antonio Bido. But uh, just wanted to mention it for those folks who like that sort of thing. Uh, Nightmare on Badham County. This is an interesting film to mention. Um, it was originally a TV film uh, that has Deborah Raffin and Chuck Connors and Tina Louise and Robert Reed. What a cast, right? And that's about these two UCLA co-eds whose car breaks down in a small southern town, and then uh, they they get taken to a women's prison, and they endure atrocities at the hands of the administrators of the prison. Uh, It was written by Joe Himes, I think, who wrote uh, Play Misty for me, I believe she wrote that, I believe. Anyway, um, this was one – it was, like I said, a TV movie, and it was was pretty explicit for a TV movie, uh, but – you know, there's only so much they could do, but they released it over in Europe, and there was a very explicit version uh, that was shot and released in Europe. Well, uh, the more explicit version has been issued. There's two cuts of Nightmare in Badham County on this Blu-ray released by Keto Harper. <laughs> Boy, this is a recurring theme. Uh, yeah, but anyway, maybe we'll I, make two cuts of this show. I know, right? Out for the both. Well, we're just about done here, but I did I did want to mention that. Um, we're this store, let me tell you, this store had six sealed copies of A Trip with the Teacher. <laughs> I mean, come on. Boy, they love their vinegar syndrome, right? Jeez. Yeah. It's one of their titles. Jeez. Interesting. Well... Well, here's another one of those touchstone titles while we're at it. How about the uh, the 1989 film New York Stories? Another Scorsese oh, yeah. effort, yeah. although he doesn't. How about it? That 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 uh, you know that short film that he made for that movie is I I I haven't made a formal list yet, but that's a definite like top ten Scorsese efforts for me. That mm-hmm. short film that he contributed. The rest of the yeah. film is of dubious quality. But man, that's quite a short with Nick Nolte. Yes. I do remember it. It's been so long. Oh, watch but, it again, uh, man. Oh, my God. It's so I good. To, yeah, I need to go back and revisit that. I really do. And the best the best thing is it's the very first segment of the film. Yeah, and you can just and then cut you can it just off turn, right after Turn that. the film off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. The, I remember the Woody Allen one being just kind of, it seemed like warmed over Woody. Not really one of his tossed warmed off over Woody. Woody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tossed, <laughs> off, tossed off Woody. Tossed off Woody. Uh, <laughs> Good, perfect. right? Oh, yeah. Well, um, and we've got uh, just maybe one or two more here. We have uh, Lust in the Dust, which was one of 
Divine's final films, not the final film, which would be Hairspray, but one of the final films. This is directed by Paul Bartel. Definitely has a cult following. It's Tab Hunter, Divine, and Jeffrey Lewis again. Cesar Romero and Henry Silva. Uh, I, I don't know if they throw any orange wedges at Cesar Romero in this film, but uh, well, fans of Gilbert's podcast will know what we're talking about here. But <laughs> anyway, uh, Lust in the Dust, like I said, directed by Paul Bartel. And, uh, you know, what more can you say? It's a Western with Divine. So what can I tell you? <laughs> what more do you say? <laughs> Satan Slave is a 1976 film. That's another Vinegar Syndrome release. Um, they had that too. Yeah, I bet story. they did. Michael Go, Devil Cult, Girl Caught Up in a Devil Cult. Yeah, well. And how about this one? We can end up with this one, I guess. How about the uh, Touchstone release from 1993, but this was a Kino Blu-ray release, Life with Mikey. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Where Michael J. Fox plays the talent agent? Yeah, that's the one child actor who's grown up and grown out of his popularity and tries to discover the next child star. Yeah, that's it. And who was his co- co-star here? Uh, co-stars? Nathan Lane and Cindy Lauper. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So Adam just took you from The Shining to Life with Mikey. Uh-huh. You can't... Well, we took a trip. You can't find that anywhere else, folks. 